Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, I am sitting here at Paul Mitchell the School, Farmington School, in my school here in Michigan, with Jackie Bertolet, who is the Haute Ohio Magazine owner and editor since about four years ago. She's the founder and the producer of Ohio Fashion Week, which I cannot wait for you to unfold. Jackie, first of all, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> I love it. We just got to have lunch together mm-hmm. with her and her mom. And her mom, get this, her mom's name is Jackie, too. Yeah. So I, that way I could remember both of yeah. their names. Jackie <laughs> Sr., Jackie Jr., which was awesome. So first of all, Jackie Bertolette, she's a seasoned editorial fashion photographer with a background in fashion design as the designer for her couture line, RJ Luna Haute Clothier. Her work has been published in over 45 local, regional, national, and international publications. Jackie also has extensive experience in graphic design and editorial writing. She has spent her career developing her diverse range of skills to culminate in the founding of Ohio's only quarterly high fashion magazine, Haute Ohio Magazine. The quarterly online and print Ship Magazine focuses on the world-class talent that hails from the Midwest. How exciting. So we don't have to just go to New York anymore. We can go to Ohio. That's right. The Midwest, right here in Michigan. Um, Its mission is to seek out aspiring student, emerging, and successful professionals and offer a platform to showcase their work. They believe in networking and uplifting each other to create a viable fashion industry in the Midwest. Jackie has also founded and spearheads Ohio-only Collective Fashion Week, Ohio Fashion Week, OHFW, and its flagship Black Tie Fashion Gala, the Upper Echelon Runway. Wow, this is exciting. I I told you when I talked to you on the phone and we were introduced by one of my staff members who Mm -hmm. uh, is one of our learning leaders at Palm Mitchell School, Michigan, also a graduate of mine at the Palm Mitchell School of Great Lakes, Tiffany LaCroix. She's been doing some work for you and Mm, she actually won a contest. She did. That's how I met her. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So how did she find you? First of all, I want to know how did... Tiffany, find you, was that online? Was that... Mm-hmm. We ran um, this probably three years ago now. We ran a contest for students um, to seek out new um, talent. And yeah. we would have put it on Facebook and um, some other social networks. And she got it through there. And um, I also... Um, my beauty director is out of Cincinnati, and she had to, um, gone to each of the schools in the area and tried to get it out onto their like um, their their little um, boards. So mm. not sure if she found us through the um, you know the crier boards at the schools or if she found us on Facebook. But she Good was one of I believe we had about forty five students um, submit, and she was one of the winners. Wow! Yeah. I'm so 
I'm so um, excited about her and so proud of her. And I did a podcast interview with her, actually, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a few back. So you can listen to that interview as well, too. But uh, she won the Shark Tank Award, so to speak, for our John Paul Mitchell Systems. And you were the one that was in incremental in that and helping mm -hmm. her to design uh, her uh, design that she created, which we can't talk about, right? right exactly. Of course, it's, because it's, it hasn't been released gag yet. Gag release. Yes, <laughs> gag hasn't order. been released. Yeah, we're, yeah gag order. And, uh, but we're excited about that, and I'm just so excited that you were there to be there for her, mm -hmm. to help her through that process. And how cool is that, just by her entering this contest and saying yes to something that she was probably afraid of, and then she, but she did it anyway. Right. And she's been one of your best designers for your... And I'm looking at the magazine, actually. It's absolutely gorgeous, Jackie, and just it's so full. And I never knew that this even existed here in the Midwest. You know, for our, our future professionals, so many of them come into the school, and I'll ask them, what do you want to do? What do you want to do for a living? And I'm not even kidding at least a quarter of them will say to me, Tina, I want to be editorial stylist. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know how you're going to do that. You're from Michigan. I guess you'll have to move to New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's Jackie, mm -hmm. and you you started this. Tell me your mm -hmm. journey to starting this and why. So this goes back to when I was still in high school and you know dreaming of what I was going to be when I grew up. Um, I started sewing when I was 14 because I've always been very tall and thin, very model-esque, mm -hmm. and I could not buy off the, off the racks, so I had to make my own clothes. So I started How tall doing are that. you, by the I way? Six foot tall. Six foot tall. Mm -hmm. Okay. So very hard so, back very in that hard. day yes. to find yes. that type. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, gotcha. and I'm not, um, and I'm very thin. So, you know, they did have that height pant, but you had mm -hmm. to be, you know, size 12, which is not even close to me. So, um, that's mm -hmm. how I started sewing. Um, flash forward a little bit, and I'm in college, and I'm modeling to get myself through college. Mm. So I did that for a few week, a few months, and mm -hmm. during that time, I realized that I really didn't like being in front of the camera, but I loved being behind the camera. So I ended up going to art school <laughs> and getting a commercial photography degree. Wow. Um, so. My initial thought was to go into uh, rock and roll because that really? was always my first love. Yeah, so I love it. I wanted to do yeah, I wanted to do album covers <laughs> and um, mm -hmm. you know live performance and whatnot. So mm. right out of school, I did start doing that. Well, quite unbeknownst to me and unexpected, the lead singers were loving my clothes, really? and so the next thing I knew, I was making clothes for other people. So now I'm a fashion designer. <laughs> so nice. moving into that, then I decided fashion was an industry that I thought I might want to do, even though at that time, like you, fashion was so poo-pooed. Like nobody, you know, like mm. nobody cared about what they looked like. And if you cared about what you looked like, then you were, you know, uppity and all that. So yeah. What year was this? This would have been late '80s, early '90s. Got so it. quite a bit different from today, yeah, where we were everybody's kind of a doing yeah. with our clothes. <laughs> Where everybody's doing selfies and looking all chic and everything. Yes. Back then, you did not look chic. And, True. And, you know, if you tried to look chic, yeah, then we everybody were... was like, what is she up to? Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. so I didn't end up going into fashion, so to speak, as a photographer. Um, ended up going into graphic design. Uh, did that for a number of years. So, as time went on, I um, found myself with a young son who was very ill. Mm. 
And so I had to resign from my full-time job. So I came home to help him get better and to get well, and um, I then began homeschooling him. So not really being the type to sit around and do nothing, it was very difficult for me. So I sat my husband down and said, honey, I need to do something else with myself. I just can't be this stagnant. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I always wanted to be in fashion, but there's no fashion here. Maybe I want to start a fashion industry here. Give people who have the talent and the dream that I had the possibility to do something from the Midwest because Mm. until I started this, this is still the same truth as it was then. You had to go to New York. Like you could not be in fashion and actually make a career out of it in the Midwest. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm sitting at home doing nothing anyway. (laughs) So I might as well take all these things that I'm really good at um, and Mm. put them all together and give opportunity to to young people who are interested in doing this. Wow, so that's how it came about. Let's let's go backwards a little bit because I heard a little bit of your story with your son at lunch. And uh, talk about that story and and how heart-wrenching was that for you to go Mm -hmm. through that when he was born because it Mm -hmm. sounded like... Um, it was very, very difficult. Beat he all was, odds. He did beat mm-hmm. all odds. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born, you know, natural, normal, normal delivery, full term. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was wonderful and fine. And um, to put into context how things fall into line as they should, um, we brought him in for his, or we were supposed to bring him in for his two-month shots. Mm. Well, he happened to have the sniffles then, so we had to postpone it. And it was a week later before we could get in there. And had we gone in the week that he was due to get his shots, they would not have caught the mistake. Or well, really? it's not a mistake. It was a, it was an ailment. Um, so the delay in the week had the growth enough that we then found it. So it turned out that um, originally we thought it was a highly malignant tumor in his brain, but it turned out to be a massive brain infection, which covered um, more than half of his brain. Wow. So he went and it just a... happened from when he was born. So they don't know. This is the interesting thing. So they know what happened, mm-hmm. but they don't know what caused it to happen. Right. So they don't know if it happened in utero or if it happened during delivery or if it developed after. Mm. They really don't know, but um, they know how it happened. And um, for the alignments of the stars or the way you know the Lord put things in front of you, we ended up at the um, Rainbow, which is one of the major children's hospitals. Um, and the neurosurgeon who performed his surgeries um, turned out to actually have had one or two cases of this same very, very rare infection Mm -hmm. in his career. Mm -hmm. So when they finally figured out what the infection was, at least we had some um, direction on how to fight it, and um, it took a couple of surgeries, and... um, couple yeah. weeks in PICU and it was it was mm. a very very traumatic touch and go and you know we we did we even almost did the last rites it was very very mm. sorry very yeah. very difficult um but once how old was he at that time he was 10 weeks old when they oh found my the gosh problem. I mm-hmm. can't even imagine being yeah. a new grandma right now yeah. and just thinking about you know Aiden mm-hmm. and I mean yes. I was worried over his jaundice you mm-hmm. know what I mean yes and so let alone having to worry about this I just mm-hmm. can't even imagine well the craziest thing about the whole thing is that you know that's my third child so um the only thing I thought was strange about him was that he didn't cry 
I mean, mm. like, both our kids cried. You know, I thought, this is a great baby. He doesn't cry. Yeah. <laughs> well, we soon found out why he wasn't crying. But, okay. you know, I just thought, wow, he's a really good baby, you know. Um, yeah. There was no other signs that there was something wrong. Okay. So I'm yeah. just, I just thank God that, you know, the, the chips fell as they were, put us in front of the hands of the doctor who had actually worked with this before. And, um, yeah. and the infection disease team that came together and gave us the right prognosis, diagnosis, how to treat it. So we were in and out of hospitals and therapies for a long time, um, mm -hmm. and obviously I had to resign because um, I couldn't take that much time off from job. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, out of tragedy comes the rainbow, and, and mm. here comes Hodohono Magazine, and, you know, and now my son is thriving, and he's one of our models, and he helps us at photo shoots, and he's learning photography. And yeah. He's adorable. Yeah. He's 11 now. <laughs> I see him in, in your magazine. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely, and your other daughter, too, Skylar, mm -hmm. is in the magazine. Absolutely That's gorgeous. Correct. Thank you. Wow. Good-looking good children that Thank you created. You. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, it's just amazing that out of tragedy came this triumph, and yes. the fact that when you uh, had to home, like why did you decide homeschooling? Because not all moms are like, I'm mm -hmm. just gonna homeschool my child. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? So that started out, um, we had, originally Trent was in our MRDD programs. Mm -hmm. And um, when it, he turned three, he tested just above MRDD status. So he had to go into public schools, regular mm -hmm. mainstream schools. And um, during kindergarten, it was okay. First grade, it started to melt down. And uh, it was just a nightmare year from everything from he couldn't keep up to crying in class to not pull, you know, wouldn't leave me in the morning. The teachers had to peel him off of me. It was Aww. really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I started to consider options. Of course, he was having a lot of bullying because he was crying in class. Mm. Um, and we went through some options and I really, honestly, if truth be told, homeschooling was never really on my radar. No. It's so time-consuming, and mm -hmm. it really takes some commitment. And I wasn't even sure if I could do it, let alone did I want to do it, you know. So I thought, well, did a little praying and thought, okay, well, you know, I have to do what my son needs. And if he needed, mm -hmm. you know, me to take him to the hospital, I would take him to the hospital. So now he needs me to teach him at home. I'm going to teach him at home. Wow. So that's kind of how it happened. Luckily, we found a... Um, homeschool system we uh, technically it's called virtual schooling mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we go through connections Academy and they have been so helpful mm. questions as a parent um, when he has trouble with something they are right there to fix it they are highly um, important in his advocacy with the state and it's just been a godsend for him wow. and he's on target mm -hmm. um, and on class levels, so. Really? Yeah. So will you homeschool all the way through high school then? I think we will because okay. I don't know that he could ever um, really deal with the demands of a full day of school. Right. Because he does need, you know, he still does have a lot of residual issues. He needs to have breaks every 15 minutes. He needs to have his bounce moment. He has to bounce and release energy. And I don't know right. that he could ever actually make it through a full day of school. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe someday, but not yet. Yeah. Um, so right now that is sort of the plan, mm -hmm. um, but I'm kind of hoping that as we get into full senior, um, junior and senior year, that we can do more of a hybrid like my daughter did, which was a mm. hybrid homeschool nice. through our public school system. So it was a program wow. called Bridge. Okay. And so she had to actually report to school. 
but they were doing individual programs. So they were doing mm -hmm. what I was doing, but they had mm -hmm. to do it at school. So that worked out really well. And in mm -hmm. fact, that's how I met the cosmetology teacher nice. at the um, Willoughby Eastlake School Systems. So, wow. Yes. I love this. I love <laughs> I it. I know. It's like the, the weave yeah. and the web is crazy. It so. seems like such a good avenue to go for all high school students, to mm -hmm. be honest with you, because yes. of the fact when I think back when I went to high school, which was in the 80s, and I start thinking about that, like, man, I wish that I could have really pursued different areas that I was really interested in. But mm -hmm. in high school, all I was worried about was boys, you know? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. back then. Yes. And so when I think about it, man, all the social media that high schoolers have and just all the peer pressure that they yes. go through. Mm -hmm. And so that just seems like such a great avenue to be able to go through that you've discovered that you would have not discovered if this exactly. didn't happen mm -hmm. to him. Plus, mm -hmm. you discovered the capability that you were so capable of doing this. And now mm -hmm. you have a, your own magazine. Did you ever think... No. Back in the day, that no. you would have your own magazine. Like, how does that feel no. to know it's, that you're a? It magazine still doesn't publisher? seem like it doesn't seem as grand as it sounds to me. Because I mean, I'm in the trenches every day. Yes. But there are times when I'll be somewhere, and people that I know and respect, or mm -hmm. kind of even admire, will come up to me and say, "Oh my gosh, you're Jackie Bertolette," and I'm like, "What? You know who I am?" Yes. <laughs> so yes, I am. <laughs> Kind of, you know, that's sort of when wow. you kind of go, oh, wait, maybe I am doing something right, you know. Yeah. Oh. So um, when you're in the trenches, though, you don't really see it as such a grander thing. I just am worried about mm -hmm. giving opportunities to people who have dreams, mm. um, you know, whether they're um, professional. You don't even have to necessarily be talented. If it's modeling that you want to try, I can teach you how to model. And I can show you how to walk a runway, you know. If it's just a bucket list dream, we can do it once for you. Or if it is something that you want to make a career out of, then we can give mm. you all the publications and the, um, the runway shows as a backdrop for your resume. Yeah. yeah. That's where uh, you and I really connected today, Jackie, because, you know, you saying that you were just worried about giving opportunities to people who have dreams. And mm -hmm. where did that come from? Like, mm -hmm. let, let's drill down. Like, why okay. do you want to help people? Where, where did that come from? That comes directly from my own fear. When I was right out of college, I wanted to move to New York, and I wanted to be, at the time, it was called an art director because there was no such thing as a creative director. Mm. Now, had that title been there, I, that's what I would have wanted to be, was a creative director. But my goal was to, to be a, an art director at a magazine. Yeah. I always wanted to work for Vogue, you know, but mm. I knew it was lofty as a small little town in Ohio, you know, nobody from here makes it, you know, right, <laughs> you right. know that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And none of my friends were willing to give it a shot and try something new. We, mm. They were all afraid to, you know, cross the street alone. Um, so... I just never did it because I was afraid to do it on my own and I um, didn't know if I could do it on my own. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have the strength to try it and I wish that there would have been some opportunity here for me to even sort of get my feet wet to see if it was worth moving to New York, you know, yeah. you know, to kind of have that mm -hmm. opportunity to just say, to dabble in it and say, oh, you know what, this isn't what I want anyway, mm. or to say, yes, and I'm good at this and I'm going to go to New York now. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. What's been your biggest discovery with this business? Because I have a friend that started his own magazine in, in Naples, Florida. Mm -hmm. And I know it's, I remember he was on one of my online masterminds and we were cheering him on like, mm -hmm. you can do this, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And he started this. And, and what would you say for you has been your biggest challenge with starting this magazine? Um, I think the biggest challenge has been people who um, didn't see my vision. Okay. So mm -hmm. um, I am absolutely loyal and grateful to the people who were in my first issue. Yeah. People who, before there was a magazine to look at, mm -hmm. and I could say, this is what I do, like what you're looking at here. Now you can, you can physically see what I do, or you can go to the website and see what I do. Well, the first issue, I didn't have anything like that. And so the people who believed in me then, and there were a lot who did not, um, mm -hmm. the people who sort of took the chance on me, mm -hmm. um, I'm very loyal to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to this day, they get special treatment over everybody else, of you course. know, and I make sure that they get first, first dibs at whatever. Um, because I, I really, I relish the fact that they gave this a chance when it wasn't a chance, you know, and everybody else said no. So I think that would be my biggest challenge is, um, is, is kind of, you know, dispelling the naysayers. Yeah. So of course, mm -hmm. and there has to be, like you said, quite a few here in the Midwest because mm -hmm. you know they're oh, this isn't ever gonna fly, right? right? This mm -hmm. is the Midwest, you know, mm -hmm. the scarcity mindset, right? Exactly. And I love it because you don't have that scarcity mindset, Jackie, which is so rare. And to find some someone that's like minded like you as mm -hmm. well too. And mm -hmm. I'm from a small town as well right. too. Mm -hmm. And I just got around people that believed in me. And I know. Um, let's talk about this. So for, in order to be in school inclusive first mm -hmm. of all you have to have an abundance mindset so yes. where does that come from for you um i always <laughs> i always sort of had this feeling in in within myself that that i was going to be great at mm. something I, I never knew what that something yeah. was but i kind of always knew that i was going to excel yeah. you know um i was beginning to doubt it considering my age and it still hadn't happened yet but um I really think that everything in my life fell into place the way to, to present this opportunity for others because I, I have background in every single facet and nuance of what happens in the magazine with the exception of hair and makeup. Mm -hmm. um, it's my one you know lack of talent um, area. Um, and so from being from the model to the photographer to the retail, I've done retail, you know, I've retailed my own clothes, you know, I've owned boutiques. I've done every part of this industry. Mm. And I think that knowing that I'm good at this has given me the drive to be able to offer that to others. Mm. You know, because for me, I feel like even though technically I'm still young, um, you know, I feel like my time has passed, mm -hmm. and the best thing I can do is to give back, and this is the best wow. way I can give back mm -hmm. because it was something I wanted that wasn't there, and I didn't have, I didn't know how to find it either then. Now yeah. I do. So create you know? it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that, and that, that's been my mindset too, Jackie. That's why you and I connect so much is I just want to give. I just want to help people's dreams come mm -hmm. true, and I just mm -hmm. can't wait to be able to do that. And the fact that you're here, you're going to be speaking to our future professionals, and yes. the evening you drove all the way from Ohio yep. uh, to you and your mom uh, to be able to speak to our future professionals, and especially mm -hmm. the ones that are interested in editorial styling, which is right. so many mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. So talk to that hairstylist mm -hmm. right now that wants to be an editorial stylist 
So there are very, very few opportunities in the Midwest for editorial mm-hmm. styling. Um, you know, obviously glamour and bridal everywhere. Um, but for what we do, it's uh, I consider it to be much more high fashion than the traditional, you know. Um, it, I say we're more Vogue than Marie Claire. Um, I definitely push the envelope for the stylists as far as their skills and talents. Um, I do do things that are a little bit avant-garde and a little bit bizarre. Um, some of them are a little more traditional, but most of them have, you know, kind of push your, your um, talent and your skills. And then what I'll do is give a concept to the stylist and let them put their interpretation into it. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, many designers will say, this is what I want and this is what it's got to look like. Um, I just say, I'm looking for, you know... Um, I'm looking for 50 style, you know, with a really heavy, um, or 20 style with a heavy uh, victory roll, or, you know, whatever you, then they do it, you know, mm-hmm. their style, their whatever, they put their spin on it. Um, so it's hard to find somewhere that offers that freedom of creativity right. to a stylist. Um, you know, in the bridal industry, they tell you what they want, you know, and you do it, and, you know, you're, you're kind of the robot. Whereas mm. now we're giving you the ability to com- completely create art. Nice. That's what we're looking for is art. Wow. And then once a year what we also do, yeah, once a year we do um, what we call Fashion Alliance. It's in the spring and it is um, a very avant-garde fashion show. It mm. is not to the, to the level of Ohio Fashion Week. It's much smaller. It's much more artistic. It's more like walking art fashion. So some of the fashion isn't even fashion. You definitely could not wear it on the street. <laughs> but it's insane mm. for the hairstylists and the makeup artists. They Fun. love it. Fun. They love it because it's so bizarre and so crazy. And they really, like a hair show where they get to go crazy with, you know. Yes. And, and pieces and things. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's really cool. Well, they they really love it. They yeah, really they live for that because you can't do that in the everyday, mm-hmm. you know, salon world. Mm-hmm. It's not salon mm-hmm. reality. Reality, right mm-hmm. and so they mm-hmm. live for that because when they're here in our school that's what they want to do they mm-hmm. want to do fun hair exactly. right and so this is an opportunity it's like an outlet for the right. hairstylist that's why editorial styling so talk to the hairstylist because um, not many of them make money um, when true. they do this and I know for your magazine mm-hmm. everyone volunteers their time for that's their magazine right. mm-hmm. so it's a, like a startup magazine for mm-hmm. everybody so if you want to get involved as a model or a hairstylist mm-hmm. it's you have to volunteer your time mm-hmm. right? right so mm-hmm. talk about that the, and why um, that is how we do this is because hairstylists and makeup artists um, are using product and going through their own, you know, their own stash, if you will, to provide their service for us. Mm-hmm. We do not charge them, and it's voluntary. We ask, we do ask our models and designers to tip the stylist to help replenish some of that loss. Mm-hmm. Um, however, everybody else does pay a production fee of $100 to be in the pages of the magazine. But they get the full photo shoot. They get the hair and makeup styling. They get to connect and network with everybody. It's a one-day shoot. We all have a great time. It's crazy. It's chaotic. Fun. It's very fashion. Yeah. Um, and then they get a spread in the magazine with a bio on their personal bio, their history, how to contact wow. them if they're interested. You know, if you're interested in what their talents are. Yeah. Um, so the stylists do work voluntarily. Um, but I am very adamant about you know encouraging tipping because we under I understand that you guys are using product that nobody else has to get you know 
photographers aren't mm-hmm. even using film anymore. You know, we yeah. just we just delete the file and start uh-huh. over. Um, you guys can't quite do that. Right. So, um, so you know, we, I understand that, and I do the same with Ohio Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever possible, if we do individual shoots, I do try to pay a nominal fee to the stylist. Again, you know, I'm I'm on the same budget they are. So for me, it's more about providing the, the crazy opportunity for them. Yeah. Um, Tell so. us some stories of some opportunities you've given either to the models or to the hairstylist <laughs> that you've watched, like their life change. What are some of your favorite stories? Um, well, obviously Tiffany has yeah. been a huge one, fun one to watch because mm-hmm. when I met her, she was still a student. And um, I was a little leery about the, the, stylist that I, the style that I gave her in the initial um, photo shoot because she did get a page in the magazine as the winner of the hair of the hairstyling segment. Um, but I thought, okay, well, my beauty director said she can handle, she can handle, and I'm like, okay. So my beauty director was there to assist her if she needed it. But Tiffany took that, and I um, mean, she like all our jaws dropped. She is so talented. She took mm-hmm. that and and made it in like 15 minutes, and it was like wow, it was like runway. Perfect. Mm. It was incredible. And she was a student. So I was like, <laughs> job, holy Tiffany. cow. <laughs> uh, so um, to watch Tiffany go mm. from student to, um, you know, she, she worked in a salon for a while. She graduated, mm-hmm. worked in a salon, got right. her license. Um, now she's working for Paul right. Mitchell. Yeah. So I think it's incredible. And now to have seen her do the, you know, to win this contest with Paul Mitchell is incredible. And she, she is an amazing story in and of herself. Yes. Not to mention, I thank her for her service as a serviceman. <laughs> 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 um, so, so let's see who else has been really, um, I would say, um, one of my models, Olivia, who has incredible media attention now. When, when I first met her, I met her at a, fa- at a um, small runway show for a retailer in Cleveland. Um, she has Down syndrome, mm. and she is a challenge model. Um, but she honestly has more self-confidence than any model I've ever met. Like, she gets out on that runway, and she's like, look it. at me, and look at how awesome I am. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> she Aww. just lights up the room. Mm. So she's gone from one single photo shoot with me to... Honest and truly, she's been on Paris runways. She's about to go to Dubai. Wow. And she's about to go to Milan. Stop. She's on our, you know, our um, our local news all the time. She was uh, wow. one of the featured models that we had on when we were doing the How Fashion Week um, yeah. moments. Uh, she's incredible. And that's in two years. She's gone from, you know, the first time mm. I met her was like one of her first runway walks to... You know, she literally international model, so she's incredible. Since so she'll be walking for me in New York in February, so Aww. I'm excited. Yeah, I love that, Jackie. Yeah. That's so cool when you hear these stories because you know, like, okay, I'm I'm on the right track. I'm doing mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do, and mm-hmm. I feel like you're like me, where it's not a business for you. It really is a ministry because you're helping to minister to people and right. help them to lift them up. And the fact uh, that we talked about to be inclusive, first of all, number one, you have to have an abundance mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, what I heard you say is that you have to stay in your strength zone. And that's yes. where you stayed. Like mm-hmm. you've just seriously been staying in that strength zone in every walk of your life. And I mm-hmm. love that. What else do you think you have to do to be inclusive? Um, I think that it is um, finding designers who are 
who have more of a broad spectrum in their designs. Um, Ooh, the nice. one thing that people who are outside of the inside of the industry do not understand, and this is why people are all up in arms about this industry, um, because they don't understand that when they put a size zero model on the runway, yeah, it is from a designer point of view, and if you look at it this way, it makes sense. The designer is paying $50 a yard, $100 a yard for that fabric. Mm. Now, a size zero model takes one yard of fabric, mm -hmm. where a size eight model takes two or three yards of fabric. So it's not a um, you know exclusivity type of thing. It is actually financial. You know, it's very yeah because mm -hmm. that same collection on a double zero model mm -hmm. is going to cost a third of the same collection on a size six model, size ten model, size twelve. You know, right. So when people say, "Oh, they're not inclusive and they don't," you know, no plus size on mm -hmm. the runway, it's not about them being you know that separatist. It's about money. I mean, you know, it's a it's a ten thousand dollar collection on that runway. Makes they, sense. You know, wow. <laughs> they got They okay. don't know if those clothes are going to sell. So, you know, it's, that's where people um, mm. kind of need to step outside. But I think this is true in any situation in life, not just this. But you have to look at it from other points of view, you mm. know. Before, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't um, stand up for your beliefs and, you know. But I think that you really need to understand before you start, you know, being the squeaky wheel, mm -hmm. what you're getting involved in and what you're protesting against. Mm. Um, because people think, you know, like the Victoria's Secret thing is a huge, you know, you know, it's at the top of the news. Well, you know. Yeah, talk about that. What exactly same, is that about? Same situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those clothes are very expensive. Right. So if you put them on somebody who is a size 10, then that's twice the money. Got it. So it's not about this perfect, you know, perfect model and it's not about, you know, oh, excluding and showing who's the perfection and you know what to aspire to it's not that it's it's about the money of the runway yeah so um the other thing i think that people don't understand is that in my experience thinner people don't have the same confidence level that plus size people do really yes really Talk i about have that. seen i have seen more plus size women and men strut the runway yeah. than most size zeros or fours. Where do you think that comes from? I think it comes from their showing the world that they're not right, you know, showing them mm -hmm. that I, I do love myself and it's okay, you know, whereas yeah. everybody else has beautiful. been... Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm already beautiful. I don't need to show you yeah. I'm beautiful. You know, so I think that there's a, there's a... I mean, this is something that I've always said to my husband... You know, I mean, I, I've always been a size two and six foot tall. I'm like the quintessential model body, um, but I've never felt comfortable in you know lingerie. Wow. But I have seen women yeah. that are size eighteen strutting mm -hmm. around in lingerie like they own the place. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, how do they do that? Right. Where do they get that kind of confidence from? Yeah. So it's not it's not about putting other people down. It's just it's about money, and and you know, let's face it, everything's about money. So. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. I love it. So what I put down was be flexible and adaptable. Like don't mm -hmm. just be so uh, into pigeonholed into one way of doing right. things, exactly. but to honestly be thinking about all aspects of the picture of what you're trying to make exactly. that decision mm -hmm. to be Before inclusive. Before you make a decision, exactly. I love that. Okay. As you move forward, is this also a digital magazine, mm -hmm. a print magazine, mm -hmm. or both? So you can purchase it either is. way. Our um, subscriptions come either just digital. Okay. 
Okay. Or just print or both. Okay. Um, it is pr- it ordered through the internet. Mm-hmm. So and how we can you prefer, order your magazine? Um, we're at www.hoteohio.com. That's H A U T E O H I O. And you Ohio. can Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> and you can uh, find everything about Ohio Fashion Week there as well under the OHFW tab. Yeah. Um, you can subscribe there. You can put advertisements in there. You can sponsor Ohio Fashion oh, Week good. there. Okay. Everything that you would need information-wise is in there. Um, and what we sells more would you say the print or the digital like what do you think where's, where's de- the definitely future of magazine digital. definitely really? digital okay. has a higher I'm so old I love having yes. the actual magazine mm-hmm. in my hand mm-hmm. well you know not the only one we <laughs> do we so do sell better. some print ships okay um, but by far, the, the subscriptions prefer the digital download, really? which is easier for everybody, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Um, for Costs the advertiser, they get a better deal because then they get a link oh. to their website directly. All oh, you have to do is click good. on the ad and go right okay. to the website. Okay. Um, so that's really nice. It's yeah. know, favorable for the advertiser. What type of advertisers are you looking for? To advertise in the magazine. We look for um, anyone who's family friendly. Yeah. Um, for no matter what business. No, it doesn't matter. Family friendly. Uh, family friendly. And um, nice. having been a retailer, I understand how expensive it is to to do advertising. Yes. Um, so one of my commitments is to understand that these are startup people, especially like you know one chair stylists or um, mm-hmm. you know nail techs who you know just getting started. Right. Um, so our advertising starts at extremely low of $25 for a business card ad. Wow. Um, yeah. And we keep it very, I mean, and people tell me all the time you need to increase those prices, but yeah. it's very important to me to make it attainable for the, mm-hmm. for the newbie. Yeah. Um, so they do go up from there. One of our strongest advertisers, ironically, and we thank you very much, um, <laughs> has been um, a custom car garage. Nice. So he's had our back cover for every issue up until now. Um, it's called Garage Customs, and he buys the back cover every time. And what he loves about it is that art is art, in, mm-hmm. in his words, and he loves being able to be part of the art of fashion. Nice. So, you know, it doesn't matter what business you're in. Right. It matters, you know, is, is it a... Um, is it a family friendly and is it within your budget? I mean, if you can't do twenty-five dollars, then you're probably not working yet. Right. So let's get you started. It's easy. You know. Yeah. What's the best way to uh, be involved with Ohio Fashion Week to be an editorial stylist? What's the best way um, to so offer services? We. You can always find everything you need to know through hodohio.com. Okay. Um, the best way to keep completely abreast of what's happening, when it's happening, when we're submitting for different events, um, would be to follow our Facebook page, um, Hode Ohio Magazine on Facebook. Perfect. Um, okay. And that really keeps, we are constantly updating that. with well, Facebook. Yeah. Okay. With, Instagram we do have too? An Instagram. Just, okay. But Instagram, mm-hmm. we really only post pictures of things that are happening, and that is OHFW underscore official. Okay. Facebook is much more the Hodo How Magazine marketing, and um, that's where you're going to see, you know, when we advertise for, when we open submissions for things, um, and we do submit for a lot of things, so you have to kind of keep track of what you're submitting for mm-hmm. and when that event is. The one thing that I'm very particular about is if you submit to something, then you better be available that date. Please don't waste the time of not only me, but other people who didn't get that gig because you wanted it. 
and then you canceled or didn't show, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah. You know, if there's only mm-hmm. 10 spots, I let 10 people in, and you decide not to show up because it's not important to you. Well, then somebody who it was important mm-hmm. to didn't get to be there. So um, that's a pet peeve for mine. So I do ask that if you submit to something, you know when the event is and what mm-hmm. is expected of you and that you are willing to, you know, follow accept through. those. Yes, yes, accept those before you, before I see the submissions. But, yes, if you follow um, Facebook, mm-hmm. that's the best way to keep total abreast. Yeah. You know, Jackie, um, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's been probably one of our biggest challenges in our schools with our learning leaders of getting our future professionals, they'll sign up for something, mm-hmm. and then they don't follow through, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't show up, right? right? And it's like, where are you? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, something came up, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so let's talk about that, because I think that's a leadership lesson all in itself, mm-hmm. right? In mm-hmm. order to be inclusive, to be inclusive is to be successful, right? Right. But you also have to follow through with what you say, you're going to do because otherwise you won't be successful and it's crazy there's actually statistics that show scientific proof that when you break a promise to yourself what it actually does to your psyche so it's not even breaking a promise to you Jackie or to me Mm -hmm. but it's breaking that promise to yourself you Mm -hmm. know because I know in the past when I have I volunteered for something and I didn't show up. I feel sick yes. to my stomach, uh-huh. right? And or I could if you're come late, up with I get very or late upset, right? or come mm-hmm. up with like weird excuses that mm-hmm. I might have. And yeah. but in my psyche of mm-hmm. all psyches, I'm like, you know what? I, I really failed there, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. And I'm not a failure, but I <clears> failed there. And so I don't want to do that again. And mm-hmm. talk about that process because I think that's a leadership lesson in itself. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that. By virtue of what I'm doing, it does include non-professionals and hobbyists, okay? So I understand that there's going to be a level of what you might call unprofessionalism, people who don't know etiquette within the industry. Um, So part of my goal is to educate those who are in the industry. When I sign a model as a manager, that's one of the things that I am, you do not know show on an event that you, you don't have to accept any particular gig, but once you've accepted it, you better show up. Yeah. Um, so there's no, like, there's no in-between. I mean, it's just being a professional. This is your job now. Even if it's just a hobby gig, you have committed to that. People depend on you. People expect you to be there. And in our case, somebody else didn't get in because you did. Right. And um, it's really a shame when you take opportunities out of literally the hands of others. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know... And you're just like, okay, go on with your life, no problem. But but many people take the fall because you didn't follow through on what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a very strong um, ethics about that. Yeah. And I expect the same from those who I work with. I also expect positive attitude and um, uplifting attitude amongst everyone. I do not allow dissension. I do not allow... Um, gossip. Gossip. <laughs> I do not allow... Um, bullying or Mm -hmm. separating or anything like that we are all inclusive we are all together to learn from each other to network from each other Um, and that's how I I couldn't even begin to imagine how many people have gone on to Paris or to New York or to LA because of somebody that I introduced them to right and I love that Mm -hmm. I mean like that is my goal so if you don't show up to that event because it's just, oh, well, nothing's important to you, somebody who could have gotten to New York didn't get there right. because you didn't show up. 
Um, so it's really important to me that you follow through, not to mention that it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, and I think, Jackie, um, deep down inside, the root of that is fear. I think mm-hmm. it's fear of them not wanting to fail and they're afraid to mm-hmm. be in that uncomfortable situation. At first, they're, they're so excited. They sign up for it because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I really want to do this. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I want to do for a living, right? But deep down inside, they're thinking, I'm not good enough. Yeah, So, you know, what? therefore, I'm going to have this excuse mm-hmm. and I'm not going to show up, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I say, just do it. Like, right. just show right. up and find your wings there mm-hmm. because that's the only way you're going to really be able to be successful, to be inclusive, and I can guarantee that Jackie, you had to show up to things that you were not comfortable yes, doing, yes, but you definitely. did it anyway, yes. mm-hmm. and you got through it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> that's uh-huh. transformational for sure. Yes, so, what last is. piece of advice uh, as we close out this podcast do you want to give people to be successful? That you need to be inclusive. Right. It doesn't matter for us. It doesn't matter if it's your if it's your first photo shoot or your hundredth photo shoot. Everybody, especially the veterans, know that our goal is to mentor the aspiring. So they expect that every single photo shoot, every single runway, there's going to be people who've never done this before. And their job as veterans, Mm. it's understood, is to take them under their wing and show them how to walk the runway or take them under their wing and show them how to do a victory roll or whatever. Right. So that's, yeah, you you have to be open to experience. Be open to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Jackie, so mm-hmm. much for being on this podcast. And we look forward to hearing you speaking to our future professionals. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.